Hello and welcome to another episode of Extra Healthy Debates. As we all bid to live our best lives, there are some small but achievable steps we can all take to help us get there. And that's the premise behind the best-selling self-care book, Self-Care for the Real World, written by today's guests, Nadia Narain and Katia Narain Phillips. I spoke with the Wellness Sisters at Nadia's home in London about their memories of growing up together in Hong Kong, the wellness rituals that inspired them to write their upcoming release, Rituals for Every Day, and to find out some easy-to-learn rituals we can all use to help us have a calm and stress-free party season. And on that note, the Christmas edition of Healthy Magazine is available in your local Holland and Barrett store and newsstands across the country right now. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Nadia and Cassia. Thank you. How Hi. are you doing today? Good. Yeah, really good. So today is all about self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, your first book, which we'll uh, get on to your new release shortly, uh, but your first book, Self-Care for the Real World, was such a big hit um, with fans from Reese Witherspoon to um, Kate Moss. Why do you think it resonated with so many people? I think with this day and age, we're moving so fast that we needed to slow down and everyone needs to look inside a bit more because they're moving so fast on the treadmill of modern life that no one's looking inside themselves to see how they're feeling, if they're tired, if they're hungry, they just keep going. And so I think it just resonated with people that they needed this time to take care of themselves. And I think that the premise of the book was to be kind to yourself. And a lot of the things out there were being quite strict and rigid, whether that's with exercise or with food. And we were just coming from more of an angle of sometimes you need to treat yourself like you would a dear friend that was going through something or your child rather than push, 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 just to sit back a little bit and and pay attention. And what I really loved about the book is that the emphasis was more on the real world. It, It feels achievable. And like you're saying, it feels like it's a friend talking to you. It's not intimidating. Mm. Um, we we wanted to have little things that were achievable. So we went to quite extremes in our own lives with how we were doing this stuff. And then we realized that we would do it for a month or two and then just go back to our old ways. So what we wanted to do was everything that we put in the book were little things that you could add. So it was more about, about the micro and then having those little things add up and then suddenly they're part of your daily life. So I guess um, the idea of self-care sounds, you know, very sensible in principle. Um, And we all want to kind of carve out this calmer, more positive way of being. Um, But I think it can be hard to know where to start for the first time. Um, And I guess kind of proactively carving out that time. What's your advice? You can start so small, just by making your bed in the morning. Um, you st- anything really small. So make your bed in the morning, sit and have your tea rather than rushing around with a tea and not knowing, you know, what you're doing. Sit quietly, breathe. I mean, what we've done is made it so achievable for people and then they can just grow and grow and grow from that. So yeah, just start small and it will grow and you'll feel better with it. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I'll self-care after this busy period or I'll self-care in January. But actually, if you could 
start right now with what you could do for the next thing. So, you know, it's 11.30 right now. We're doing this interview. Maybe make sure that you definitely have something for lunch rather than rush to your next thing. Or when you get home tonight, you've had a long day, you're going to take a bath and just take some time and just pay attention to your day. And it's almost in the busier times, that's when we really need to self-care. I think that's a really interesting point as well, because I think the idea you know, when it kind of comes to the end of the year where people have time off over Christmas and obviously New Year's resolutions start kind of coming into play. I think there is that tendency to think, I'll wait till that period to catch up on sleep or change my eating habits. Mm. It's really something you should be doing all the time, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, at the yoga center, I mean, in January, it is packed in there (laughs) with everyone starting their New Year's resolution. And you see it sort of by summer, people have fallen off already. And if you just even did less so that you could carry it on through the year, it would be better than, okay, I'm going to do six classes, you know, at the beginning of January for, and then it just lasts for two months. So does self-care come automatically to you guys now, or do you have to consciously work on it? No, we have to consciously work on it. We noticed that when we were writing the book, we got really good at it. Because, yeah. we, you know, it's practicing. at the forefront of our mind and we were practicing it all the time. But we tend to, especially in these two weeks with the run up of the new book, Rituals, coming out, it, it's just busier than it would normally be for us. And so we really have to check in and make sure that we get home early. We make sure that we eat right, um, not too many late nights taking a bath if we need to, paying attention to how we feel so that we've got the energy. You've got to prioritize a little bit more. And um, no, it's not natural to us, but we are getting much better at it. (laughs) I mean, a perfect example was the other day when you said about um, our book launch and you were like, I'm not going to do anything in the morning before the book launch Mm. for the first time. Whereas Nadi would usually fill it up with yoga students and then rush to do that. And she's like, I'm just going to take it really easy, go and have the rest of the day off. Mm. So it's, you know, we're learning it constantly for ourselves as well. And I think that's what's so nice about the books. It doesn't come across as kind of preachy. You feel Mm. like you're kind of talking to a friend and that friend is kind of guiding you through it. Mm. Um, So how long have you guys been practicing self-care? I know you've kind of come through different channels, as it were. Um, I don't know if it's always been (laughs) (laughs) self-care, but I've been teaching yoga for, I don't know, 23 years or something like that. And I've changed a lot from where it started to where it is now, you know, we've gotten older, one thing. And um, in the early days, it was a much more vigorous practice and it was all about doing fancy poses. And now it's just <laughs> wanting to lie down on an amethyst mat yeah. for half an hour. <laughs> not my body. Um, but just paying attention to your own personal changes and how you can adapt. And and that wasn't always the case. You know, sometimes whether it's with food or with your exercise, you can be coming from, what's the word, when you come from kind of an aggressive place mm-hmm. and not necessarily a self-care place. And you, your food? Yeah, it's over 20 years with that as well. And I came to it through having so much destruction as well, you know, you want to heal 
And so as I was doing that, I felt, oh, well, actually this life is, feels much better than that life. Yeah. And so then I would do more and more of it. And yeah, it just became a part of my lifestyle very much. But you started more with the raw food too. Yeah, I mean, it started with massage mm. oh, okay. a long time ago. So, so when we say a long time ago, what? How long ago are we talking? Long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did my first Reiki course when I was about sixteen years old with my oh, godmother, okay. and so I always had that. So, if I felt bad, I would always put my hands on myself and you know, in the Reiki positions and practice that and got into massage. And I really loved that. And I was doing treatments for people and having treatments myself and studying it. And so, yeah, and then it became food. And so the whole package just, I realized by giving to other people and seeing how it was affecting them, just doing it more for myself. And was, am I right in thinking you opened the first raw cafe in London? That's what they say. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Let's I think roll we should it. roll with it. Um, yeah, it was, I came, I was in Hawaii learning raw food with some guys there. And then when I came back to London, I was working as a massage therapist at the yoga center. And the owner had said to me, why don't you start a little cafe here? Because that's what he'd always wanted and because there wasn't a lot of heavy cooking involved or any at that point, um, we opened the next, uh, the little earth cafe then. And yeah, it was all raw. And so what kind of dishes are we talking? Um, a lot of sprouted nuts and we would do almond burgers with sprouted nuts and we would do like that fake cheese made mm. with cashews and beetroot pate. Yeah. A lot of it I wouldn't eat now, but some of it stuck. Um, but yeah, I, th I think with the climate, when I got back to London, I slowly started to realize that it wasn't working for my body having the raw food because it's too cold here. And a lot of that stuff that you got in Hawaii and California, you couldn't get here and the climate just isn't right for everyone. So then I started listening to my body and realizing actually this isn't working for me and started to introduce cooked food into my diet and Okay. And so were your parents, um, was kind of raw food, massage, that kind of thing. Was that important to them when you were growing up? Um, we, our mum was pretty healthy. Um, but again, from more of a rigid, you know, weight watching kind of lifestyle, okay. but we were, we were raised in the East. So we were raised in Hong Kong and it was always, you would buy your vegetables and your fish and everything in a market, not really go to the supermarket for anything. And so it was part of the culture was that you were eating fresh, you know, home cooked food and yeah, dad really liked to eat well. And they both, mum would have massages every week. Yeah. So yeah, oh, it was really? definitely around us. Yeah. And she's a Pilates teacher. And okay. so she's into fitness and it was yeah. always around us. Yeah. 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 But more from quite a rigid perspective, not necessarily from a nurturing kind perspective you know so it's 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 a different yeah, it definitely mental wasn't like, Nadia do you not feel well do you want a massage <laughs> a bit more like massage my feet <laughs> and I mean you guys are so close now and your lives are quite intertwined mm. you know with the books um was that the case when you were growing up no no she no. says quickly <laughs> no I mean I was a little older and um 
She used yeah. to make me walk five minutes behind her <gasps> when we would walk you did, home um, from school. I did. I did. I mean, I did. It was a long time ago. Um, but it was, um, we got very close 12, about 12 years ago when our dad was dying. So we were mm-hmm. with him in India while he was dying. And so we had to spend a lot of time together. And yeah, I don't know. It just worked out that way. I left home quite young. She left home quite young. So we had quite separate lives. We were living across the world from each other yeah. for a very okay. long time. For a very long time. And then, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you know, your usual dysfunctional family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, with yoga, mm. so what, what kind of attracted you to yoga? Nothing in particular. I just had a friend, I was in LA and I was with a girlfriend and she said, there's this wacky woman that comes to the gym and she teaches yoga. Let's go and check her out. And she took me to this class and it was in her home. And she, this teacher, my first yoga teacher, she was in her 50s. And she just taught 20 people in her living room. And then she served tea and biscuits afterwards. So civilized. Right? Chai Who tea. Who wouldn't want that. to be in that I world? Know. So I was like, I like these tea and biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Let's continue no, this. No, I, I took the yoga class and it was the first time I just I don't I it sounds so corny, but it's like you just know you have to keep coming back and doing this. It felt right to me. And that was it. Mm. And then I would go to her class twice a day whenever I could. And she became my teacher and then she sort of sent me out to teach. She was like a mother. Like yeah. her her vibe is very motherly okay. and she nurturing. Just, yeah. Yeah. And how often, I mean, I know you teach yoga now, but how often do you practice for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it varies. Like I said, it's it's a lot of lying down yoga at the mm. moment and breathing. <laughs> um, it varies. I had a shoulder injury for two years, so I couldn't do a lot of the things in yoga. So then I started working with a personal trainer but he's really into stretching and doing different things as well so it depends um there there are days where I do it every day and then there are times where I do a little bit less of it and I have to work on my shoulder a little bit more but it's not also just about the postures it's the meditation Mm. which oh yeah meditate I I meditate every day and um you know, it's more of an awareness of life and how you want to be in your life. The postures are one aspect of the yoga practice. And with the meditation side, do you notice a difference if you're not doing that regularly? Oh, yeah, a huge difference. It's funny because I went, I have these friends that I go on holiday with and um, every morning her and I go to the local yoga class and he usually potters around in the morning and we always notice if he hasn't meditated Oh, really? Yeah, because he's like a crazy mess. But when he's meditated, he comes down and he's super chilled. And and it was like my first experience of just being with someone every day. And I never really thought about that myself. Um, But I feel discombobulated if I don't meditate. And I feel a bit like how I do if I were to leave the house without brushing my teeth which I don't, but you know, it's easy yeah. to do sometimes if you're a bit crazy and busy and, or if you're a new mum, you know, loads yeah. of new mums go out and they're like, oh my God, I haven't even brushed my teeth. So I definitely try and um, incorporate that as early as possible. If I don't get things done early in the morning, they usually don't get done. 
and um, you've got your new book out, yeah. Rituals for Every Day. Um, firstly, can you tell us what is the difference between a ritual and a habit? A habit is something you do mindlessly, like brushing your teeth. A ritual is something you're doing with attention and intention. So say you took the brushing your teeth and you did a body scan during it where you were like, how do I feel right now? Or you were making your affirmations for the day, then you would turn that into a ritual. Okay. And I think rituals are such a buzzword now on, on social media. Um, but how do you go about establishing those rituals and what benefits do you think you can see? So um, one of the things we noticed was that I, I noticed this on holiday because I've got an alarm clock at home, but people tend to use their phone as an alarm clock. Yes, right? I am guilty. So you, okay. So do you notice that maybe you turn the phone, the alarm clock off, and then you start looking at your phone straight away and also you're lying guilty. in bed, right? Yes. And then suddenly you're rushing because you've just gone down the rabbit hole of social yeah. media and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, exactly. Yeah. Or whatever it is, or, or you get a stressful message or anything can happen. And so a ritual might be that you leave the phone outside at night and you get yourself an alarm clock and that maybe you turn the phone off. And so you say, okay, I'm going to turn my alarm clock off and then I'm going to make my cup of tea. And I like to sit for 10 minutes with just sitting with my cup of tea and I open the curtain and instead of being kind of upset that it's dark in the morning, I just start to watch the sun come up just for those you know, a few minutes in the morning. And then I know that I have to get my meditation in. So that becomes my little morning ritual. And it only takes, it can only take 20 minutes, but I make sure that I get up that little bit earlier to have that little bit to start my day so that I'm not rushing around. And then you can start looking at your phone. So even just something little like that turns it into a ritual. And I think also what's so great about all these rituals, especially in your book, is that they're free. Because mm, I mm. think a lot of people come to the assumption with self-care that it's an expensive thing to do. But all these rituals, they're mm. not. You can just do them in your home. Yeah, that we've made them really simple for everyone. And what we've tried to do is um, create that feeling of, usually we only celebrate when it's Christmas or birthdays and we forget the everyday celebrations. And so we've tried to create them for people in the everyday and make, just put a little bit of magic back into people's lives. And yeah, they're totally free and really easy. You don't need tools and, you know, a voodoo kit to do it. We've made them really accessible for everyone. Yeah. And I think in self-care with everything that we did that cost money, we made sure that we put an alternative in that didn't cost anything. So we know for us, the pri where our priorities lie is if we don't feel good, we know that we would go and pay for a therapist or a masseuse or something like that. But we also know that that's not where not everyone can afford to do that. So we figured out different ways that you can try and um still self-care, still do the rituals, but without spending any money. Yeah. Which is so great. Now I'm going to pounce on the, the morning rituals mm -hmm. um, because it's so dark now in the morning. It's cold. Mm. What I mean, I know we've just spoken about your morning rituals, mm -hmm. um, Nadia, but what about you, Cassia? So for me in the morning, 
it's a bit hectic with all the kids there. So I tend to just get them ready and out of the house. And then I like to walk. So I walk my kid to school and then I do a long walk on the way home. And for me, that just starts my day. It's time for me to make my intentions for the day, how I want the day to be, to clear my mind, to breathe, to get fresh air. And then I'm ready to start for the rest of my day. So do you think they can kind of put you in that mindset for a more productive and totally. happier day as yeah, it were? Absolutely. Because you know what it's like when you, I mean, a good example is when you're rushing to travel. That's always a good example. Um, you're, you're stressed instantly and you get, you going through, everything about it is stressful if you're running late. Yeah, it's but not a nice can, experience. It's not a nice experience. But if you can just go, okay, well, I'm just going to leave a little earlier and then I'm going to get to the airport and sit and have a cup of tea and just go through it calmly. It's already a stressful experience having to do it. So it's your choice how you do it. And I think the same goes for your day. If you can just get up that tiny little bit earlier and have some time for yourself before you go and take care of all the other business that needs to happen, you just come into it in a calmer mindset. Yeah. Now, Katia, there was one of my favorite rituals morning rituals in the book involves your son oh can you tell us before you go yes can you tell us a little bit about that that's what I mean it's so simple and so Huxley is miserable in the mornings he doesn't like to wake up and he just will scream at everyone in the house but um I'd put on this wake me up before you go go song the wham song as a joke for him and he just started laughing and loved it So then for a good couple of weeks after, he was like, that's how you have to wake me up every morning with that song. So we'd put it on and he'd jump up and start dancing around the room and it was brilliant and it worked. So yeah, with the rituals as we've given you some suggestions, but you can create your own and make them individual for yourself. And another favorite of mine um, from the new book is the daily intention, Mm. um, which I think you guys first read in an interview with Olivia Coleman is that correct oh yes yeah yeah which also makes it even better instantly can you tell us a little bit about what the daily intention is well the um it it was to do something good for someone else right so it's um knowing that when you go about your day that you are kind of looking at what you could do so you don't come home until you've done something good for someone else and it could be something as little as you know I I've I did shout at someone on the tube the other day and I shouldn't have shouted at him but it does annoy me when people don't give up their seat for elderly people or for pregnant women and it just makes me so I get really really angry and they're looking at their phones and they haven't even looked up to see if someone else needs a seat and then there was a man a woman trying to get her suitcase down the stairs at the um on the tube and the lifts weren't working and no one thought to just pick up the other end of her suitcase and help her and I know how I feel I'm stressed when I've got a lot of bags or if I'm like, sometimes I'm stressing about how I'm going to get my suitcase up the stairs to my house, you know? So if you can just help someone that needs help, it's not a big deal. It takes a minute and it feels good. You feel good at the end of it. 
it also takes you outside of yourself. Yeah. So you're not just thinking about yourself. You're you're going out that day and you're looking for opportunities to help people. And that way you're not being self-centered. You're being yeah. more open and loving. Yeah. And now you both use crystals, am I right? Which has become very popular um, of late. But I think also there is a bit of, I don't know, skepticism or... I guess I don't know if it's about the unknown. Can you tell us a little bit about um, crystals and which ones you use and what you'd recommend for beginners? I mean, I'm. St- I, you can see them all over my house. I'm yeah. still a little bit of a skeptic too, but I like they they calm me and they make me feel good. And a friend of ours um, just found out that he was ill this year mm. and he had to go and have some treatment, and so it was a really nice idea that we had to give him an amethyst that he could hold when he was going to his treatment every day, you know, and Huxley has one that he uses when he gets nervous at school. So he puts it in his pocket. Yeah. He has anxiety. So he just keeps like a little rose quartz next to him and it just calms him down. So whether it works or it doesn't work, you know, it's what it's doing for you. Mm. And so if it works for you, great. It's not going to do anyone any harm. Mm. So you might as well try. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I don't really want to mention this, but we are in the run up to Christmas Mm -hmm. and party season. What kind of rituals are you practicing to make sure you're kind of keeping calm and balanced? Not overbooking. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the main thing is that People have a little bit, we talk about this in self-care, FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so you kind of think you have to go to everything, um, but you don't. And just to choose wisely, you know, what things you're going to go to. And if you've got nothing too big the next day, then go and enjoy yourself and have fun. But if there is something that you have to do, then just pay attention to what you're doing through that week and try and make sure that you're also eating well and that you're moving your body. And it's not just going out drinking and deadlines, you know, and that you are incorporating some nice things and drink lots of water and, you know, little things like that. It's also a good time to start your intentions for the new year to clean out. We talk about that in the book as well, where, you know, you can clean before the new year, get rid of everything and then set the intentions for your, in your house for what you want. I mean, we did it last night with the new moon. Mm. We practically wrote a book. (laughs) Did you? It just sets your intentions for the month. And actually, funnily, I was just going to go through, yeah, do one of my cupboards. So we try and do... If you do too much, it becomes overwhelming, but you just think of little areas of your life that you want to clear, the change of seasons, you start to look at your wardrobe differently. You can get rid of stuff that you're not using anymore. And, you know, if you can give it to a homeless shelter or whatever it is, or recycle with your friends and just make sure that you kind of have things in order because it it feels like it's the time of year where it's an overwhelm. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've actually noticed in my yoga classes that they've become very, very busy the last couple of weeks yeah so then you start to feel and you feel it you know you're on Oxford Street you start to feel that tension around you so you you do have to look after yourself and you I, I think the easiest way is to always think about what you would do for a child you know it's like 
coming to the end of term they're stressed out they're tired there's home there's just too much going on you would probably say night off go to bed early like let's eat some nice food watch a good movie just chill so I think we have to use that on ourselves and just thinking about that tension have you got any techniques or tips of kind of releasing a bit of tension um mine is always my hot bath at the end of the day yeah I was really looking forward to that last night we also have a ritual in the book, like shake it out. Okay. So you can really shake your body and stamp your feet. And that really helps to get all that tension out of your body. Mm. So yeah, there's definitely rituals in the book that help with that. Lots of tips to get stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Thank you so much. much for the new book. Thank, Thank you. you. That was Nadia and Katia, and make sure you check out their new book, Rituals for Every Day. Now I'm joined by producer Jack Feeney. Hello. Hey, Jack. Hey. So do you have any rituals? Um, I had to think about this one because I wasn't sure if I did, but then I realised that I've uh, I've had a dog now for about two and a half years. And this is something we've bonded over. It is, it is. And um, I've... I didn't realise that actually going for a walk every single day with my dog, which I do is a ritual that has had a really big impact on my life. Mm. And I hadn't really considered it as this thing before because it's just something that you, you do when you get a dog. It's, it just feels like the natural thing to do. But now, it's, and I reflect on it, it's like, actually, I walk in a, I go for really nice walks in the countryside. I get outside every single day. It's a time for me to clear my head if I've had a stressful day at work. It's a time for my girlfriend and I to chat um, after work as well. And also meet other people. And meet other people, yeah, because dog owners are really nice. Really friendly. They're really cool, aren't they? I think we're just saying that because we're slightly biased, though. We are. We're just trying to big ourselves up yeah. a little bit, if anything. Um, but yeah, and you know, the time outside I get to spend with my, you know, my dog and you get to be outside and kind of connect with nature. I know it sounds a little bit hippie, but actually the positive power of just being outside and breathing in fresh air and being in natural surroundings it has a really nice effect on you. So, it's so important. Are you a morning walker or an evening walker? Um, I kind of do a bit of both. So a couple of days a week, I get up a little bit earlier to take my dog for a walk. But the majority of the time is, is, is evening walks. Um, but it's cool because you kind of get to see the best of both sides. Because in the summer, it's really nice to spend evenings outside. And then as the winter kind of draws in, it's kind of nice to get outside in a brisk um, nighttime walk. So um, yeah, it's, it's something that I hadn't really considered before, but the thing I took away from uh, your conversation was uh, the importance of having real world rituals. So as I said, um, getting a dog was something that was very natural and the rituals that come with it weren't something that I had to work really hard to do. They were something that I could really easily introduce into my life. And I think a lot of us who maybe have an issue, whether it's a relationship, a health issue or a mental health issue, we always think that we need to do like the biggest thing possible to have the biggest impact. But actually it's lots of small changes over time. And that doable will make things, ones, a little things better. that you're going to continue to do. Yes. There's no point setting yourself up for these, you know, creating a whole list of unrealistic habits yeah. that you're not going to stick to. And also they need to be personal. So it's something that you know that you're going to be able to do. So as I said, there's no point in, you know, trying to, you know, become like a marathon runner, for example, overnight, if, if, if you know that running is, is something that's going to help you become stress-free. 
the best thing to do would be to, you know, I'm going to start with just a five, 10 minute walk, or I'm going to, you know, get off a tube station early and walk the rest of the way to the works. Just these little small things that you can do that are realistic and don't really change your routine too much, but are something that are actually going to have over time more of a bigger impact on your life. And also like Nadia and Cassia were saying, you know, it might just be taking that five minutes to, I don't know, have a cup of tea by yourself in the morning to kind of collect your thoughts. These aren't time consuming things that you need to be doing. Exactly. It's all about doing small but manageable tasks. Definitely. Thanks for that, Jack. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. <laughs>